Welcome to the Life After ECT podcast. I'm your host, Jane. I'm a childhood drug and electroshock survivor. Today's episode is a continuation of our special guest series on ECT risks and challenges injured patients face. ECT and brain injury. What does electrically induced brain damage look like? And what can patients do to get testing and help? Continuing in this special series, Deborah, a former level one trauma nurse and electroshock survivor explains ECT injury symptoms, consequences of those injuries as far as we understand, barriers keeping patients from getting appropriate testing and rehabilitative care following ECT, what tests to request, and how sharing your experience can help yourself and other ECT recipients. But before we dive in, I have some quick updates before getting to our main topic. First, I want to thank my peers for all their hard work. Uh, Many don't realize the physical and mental cost of activism while living with brain damage um, and its associated traumas or even just, you know, major drug withdrawal. Um, I'm so grateful to all who are sacrificing precious energy to educate society and to support those struggling with drug and ECT-induced disability. I have two petitions I want to tell you about. The first is a petition from shock survivor and activist Sarah Hancock. Many don't know this, but ECT has never been safety tested by the FDA, nor is it standardized or regulated. Check out this petition to learn why this matters and how you can help, and be sure to sign and share. The other petition is from a former pediatrician and electroshock survivor, Sue Cunliffe. She has done so much work on behalf of shock survivors through her various media appearances over the years, so I highly recommend you check those out if you haven't seen them, and I'll link one of them in the show notes. Anyways, her latest effort is a petition to request an independent review of the practice of ECT in England. Now, only UK residents can sign, however, non-residents can still help by sharing it on social media. Other housekeeping. Uh, Some of you might have noticed the Life After ECT website's been unavailable. That's because it's getting a major makeover. Um, Apir and I have been working super hard the last few weeks, and hopefully it'll be up and running sometime this month. And I am super excited about the new direction the website's taking and cannot wait to share more as it develops. That's all I have for updates, so please be sure to sign and share those petitions, and I hope you have a lovely day. Hello, my name is Deborah Schwarzkopf, and I'm the former owner of ECT Justice. Um, I'm going to do a video about tests uh, that might be helpful uh, for you uh, to get done to identify injuries, um, if nothing else, for ongoing care and um, uh, rehabilitation, and potentially for to assist you with um, litigation. Um, I wanted to say that um, I come from a background of working 
working in uh, emergency trauma medicine for many years. Um, I worked at leading facilities such as Denver General, um, St. Anthony's um, in Denver, and Oregon Health Sciences in Oregon. Um, uh, I worked um, these level one trauma centers, um, highly emphasized uh, mechanism of trauma, um, and that all trauma is based on mechanism. And so electroshock is simply an electrical mechanism of trauma inducing a traumatic brain injury at best and it works in that it creates uh, memory loss for difficulties that led to admission. It creates temporary euphoria as a known side effect of traumatic brain injury. Um, it creates what is called anisognosia in patients in that they fail to recognize the extent and the severity of their incurred damages. And so oftentimes by the time patients recognize the full extent of their damages, their time to pursue litigation has expired. And so that is a great uh, handicap um, around this. Um, also, um, uh, family members are told by treating providers that um, oftentimes any complaints that are expressed are, are as a result of your psychiatric illness and not the outcomes of traumatic brain injuries. And uh, patients, family members um, often um, align with these uh, psychiatrists and um, uh, don't believe um, or minimize and discount uh, these outcomes in patients um, uh, simply because of what they've been told by psychiatrists. Um, uh, so it is very um, uh, painful uh, for us as survivors of this procedure to come to the full realization that physicians are well aware of these damages and um, um, signed them up for this and used a device and uh, used a device in a procedure that has absolutely no FDA testing for safety or effectiveness, and that these uh, damages by their own uh, um, or these outcomes by their own research um, actually uh, talk about structural brain changes that take place around this. And I have peers that are being identified with damages uh, that are impacting actually their brain stems where uh, your autonomic uh, bodily systems function from that control your blood pressure, your heart rate. Um, and so uh, traumatic brain injury, um, I know that um, uh, as a level one trauma nurse, that if this occurred in a home or a work setting, that all um, uh, receiving personnel would anticipate a TBI at best or a traumatic brain injury at best and that this patient would be put on a, a telemetry unit um, to monitor their, their cardiac rhythm um, as all systems are impacted by electrical trauma. And electrical trauma can evolve years out um, and, and uh, patients are, are, are living with dystonias, they're having their respiratory system impacted, uh, they um, are having symptoms of CTE that the NFL injuries are very familiar with, they are um, having um, symptoms and it is known that ALS can result from electrical trauma. 
And even the, the centers that study electrical and lightning injuries are very poor in follow-up in electrical injuries in their population. Um, and so um, it is important um, to get testing done to identify injuries. Um, but uh, physicians, because they're well aware um, that these damages do result from this mechanism of trauma and do not want to implicate themselves or, or, or uh, cause problems for their career, um, um, and they want to protect their uh, peers in medicine or their facilities, um, are very hesitant to order a lot of these tests because then they have to give accounting for why, in fact, they're ordering uh, these tests. And then when these tests come back with abnormalities, then they have to document in records that basically the only mechanism of trauma that they know of is this electrical, and therefore they identify electroshock as causing injuries and therefore set up their peers and facilities for lawsuits um, for medical malpractice or for uh, hospital negligence. And frankly, this is fraud as well, um, and so um, or false claims. And so um, we are also pursuing suits around that um, issue as well. I wanted uh, to say that uh, not only do we have the initial betrayal by trusted providers when we're at our most vulnerable, but then we're betrayed by follow-up providers in that we are ignored, minimized, we are railroaded um, into that um, our complaints are psychiatric in nature. Um, it is true that electrical trauma does create uh, PTSD, anxiety, and depression. It is a known side effect of electrical trauma. But in addition to that, we also have traumatic brain injuries. We have ongoing cardiac issues. We have neurological issues that impact our uh, entire body. Uh, we have ophthalmological issues, cataracts. Um, we have muscle uh, disorders with our vision. Um, and so um, it, is, it is not simply psychiatric. And, and uh, we would appreciate being seen at, and treated as trauma patients because that is what we are living with our outcomes of electrical trauma and um, are happy to discuss perhaps our PTSD and anxiety and depression that result from this as well, but it's not solely why we are seeking uh, treatment and rehabilitation. And uh, we deserve rehabilitation just like any other traumatic brain injury person does. And we simply are not suffering from one traumatic brain injury, but we're uh, survivors of multiple uh, traumatic brain injuries, sometimes into the double and triple digits. Um, and so um, we would appreciate some acknowledgement and some sensitivity and some help um, in our recovery um, um, because uh, we deserve it. Uh, so some of these tests um, that I, I would first say to research um, electrical trauma, research traumatic brain injury, and the newest testing out there for it, um, I would review the um, uh, videos, uh, the video on ECT justice that talks a great deal about mechanism of trauma and become very familiar with that. If you've had any other testing uh, that's been done uh, and prove abnormalities, bring copies of those reports when you go to visit any new providers, especially specialists, or if you have to go to the ER, keep records with you. Um, I know that personally when um, I'm not feeling well and I'm overwhelmed by having to put myself in an environment that has caused me a great deal of PTSD and stress from prior treatment, that um, I 
I don't always function at my most intelligent or my even my most reasonable at times um, because of, of, uh, of the distress um, that I've suffered at the hands of providers. And so it's very useful if you have this paperwork with you to just save yourself some time in trying to explain and just hand them the results. Um, and not every hospital has access to uh, records that where you may have gotten your care previous. So keep those records with you. And it's helpful to have a supportive family member with you um, that can uh, assist you, uh, that you trust as well, um, to, to relate with your permission, uh, your history. Um, um, I wanted uh, to to suggest uh, some tests that you have done. Um, uh, of course, neurocognitive testing um, is important. This is not a cur cursory um, evaluation in office as far as like a, a neurologist doing a three-minute exam um, to check your um, uh, um, um Oh heck, what's the word? To check your orientation, uh, this is uh, takes several hours to up to two days by a qualified. Uh, psychologist that's familiar with traumatic brain injury. Um, I would um, also see a functional neurologist. There is a test out there called the VNG, V as in Victor, N as in Nancy, G as in George. And this is identified, it's a um, highly specialized uh, visual test for the most part that's quite lengthy and extensive. And it can actually identify injuries uh, located in the brain from this procedure based on this test. And it's very similar to to the I-PASS test that's used um, on the field for acute situations in concussions. Um, so certainly uh, get the VNG. Um, I would also um, ask for the S as in Sam 100, B as in boy. It's a blood test, and this is used mostly in acute situations, but some tests um, are showing abnormalities um, outside of the acute time frames. So certainly uh, you can ask for this test as well. Um, a lot of these tests, or many of these tests, you will have to insist upon. Uh, if you're presenting with uh, signs and symptoms, the physician by right has got to address this with adequate testing. Um, and um, if he bulks at this, um, you can point out based on his training that he's fully aware uh, that this electrical mechanism of trauma um, is known to cause traumatic brain injury at baseline and that you would appreciate um, having these tests ordered so you can maintain and pursue adequate care and rehabilitation for yourself. Um, 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 I would uh, list um, uh, uh, questions and your concerns and the tests that you want, have them written out so when you go into the office you're well organized. Um, what else? Um, there are quite a few tests out there that are showing damages that involve evoked potential. So research those types of those types of tests. Um, you certainly want to get some EEGs done. There's various types, uh, an MRI with and without contrast, if you can tolerate contrast. Uh, there's a SPECT test, an SPECT. There's a PET scan, PET uh, scan. Uh, there, I would get, um, if you're having cardiac 
cardiac issues, which are quite common ongoing, um, I would uh, suggest that you uh, uh, ask your or tell your physician that you would like to have a Holta monitor put on for several days, up to two weeks, and that can identify arrhythmias. So if you feel like your heart's speeding up or slowing down or having um, barren beats or irregular beats at times that are atypical or show a pattern, um, bring it up and ask to have um, uh, a hole to monitor put on. Um, I would also see an endocrinologist as um, uh, uh, adrenal and cortisol and thyroid issues are common in traumatic brain injury and get an endocrinologist to do uh, cortisol studies and adrenal studies um, on you um, to check and make sure your pituitary is functioning uh, as it should as well. Um, let's see. Um, if um, I'm, I'm working on, on a, a list here, um, there's also, um, I want to let people know that um, this is often uh, promoted for use in uh, suicidal patients, the use of electroshock. And there's actually an increase in, in suicidal ideation or suicide attempts or, or actual completion of suicide following electroshock. Um, primarily, um, I feel it's because people are trying to navigate the medical system with their traumatic brain injuries um, for baseline and are finding little help. And so they feel very isolated. Um, many um, cannot uh, share with their family members and their friends the true extent of what they live with because it's very difficult to describe to many people. And um, and I, we would appreciate not being discounted and minimized and ignored in our complaints because you do not know what it's like to live with hundreds of volts having been run through your brain repeatedly and uh, we ask for some understanding and compassion in what we reveal to you um, um, in our outcomes. Um, let's see and so um, the risk of suicide um, is quite high following electroshock um, and so once you get the, these tests done and they show abnormalities then please go watch the video that I did on legal representation and I ask that if you do have any abnormalities that perhaps you would be willing to share those results with a DK law firm in California that is pursuing the national product liability suit around the devices used an electroshock and you can black out your name um, from those results if you want and um, share the abnormalities and that way they see a, a pattern starting to evolve in the types of testing that would be useful and the abnormalities that are being revealed and this gives them more ammunition to seek uh, litigation on our behalf. Um, I, I would also suggest that on ectjustice.com that is now owned by the DK law firm uh, that you can go under the help section and print off the uh, letter uh, that is there to give your providers and have it made part of your chart. Uh, there's only a few tests listed on there currently and certainly you certainly you can add to that list um, um, for testing that you that you would like. Um, and so um, uh, 
I would print that off and anytime you come to a new provider or a specialist, just give that to them and it saves uh, conversation and it points out how you prefer to be addressed um, as a trauma patient that may be experiencing some psychiatric issues as an outcome to this procedure, but that you would appreciate being seen as a trauma patient and treated as a trauma patient patient and given the resources um, that are available to other uh, trauma patients, um, though they may not have suffered this at the hands of culpable providers. Um, so um, I hope that uh, this video is useful to you and that um, because of what you have been through and your concern that others may live with what you live with, that perhaps you will uh, go on public social media and point out these damages and this harm that is occurring um, at many leading facilities and point out that there's absolutely no FDA testing or clearance for this uh, uh, procedure or um, uh uh, device and that there is great harm being inflicted and cover-ups. Uh, this involves $5 billion annually in the U.S. alone and much research, um, if this comes to light, uh, will be impacted and so it is very difficult to get providers, to include nurses, uh, to advocate and intercede on behalf of patients. Uh, this practice has greatly increased. It's impacting our children, our veterans, even women in pregnancy. And uh, this is this is great harm, and they're in it uh, too deep right now to just uh, stop this practice without admitting harm. Uh, but this will come to light, and um, much financial reparations um, will uh, be made by physicians and facilities um, sooner or later uh, with the help of uh, global public media. Um, and um, I want to. Uh, also hope that uh, um, uh, major media will step up and do their job and um, expose the truth of this and that physicians will remember their do, uh, duty, their oath, their responsibility because criminally they are failing now and patients are being injured uh, by these cover-ups and continue to be injured as this is only increasing and now used for many things. So please um, go on ECT Justice and research um, videos and um, resources there. There are many websites out there now um, that give the information around the harm of electroshock. Uh, there is ect.org. There is uh, Jane Rice's videos. Um, uh, and uh, uh, peers around the world are working on this issue and exposing this. And there's only a matter of time. So please protect and inform yourself and alert your loved ones and friends um, that um, uh, this is taking place and that they need to be aware of this. Thank you very much for your time and I wish you a good day. Thank you for tuning in to the Life After ECT podcast.